All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Lions Guide podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. I interview other subject matter experts on topics of performance and growth. I also review books and other resources to help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls. I'm the founder of Lions Guide. And on this episode, I've got Mr. Bobby Dysart in Bobby is an entrepreneur and an author. He runs a boutique consulting practice offering sales and development strategy to software startups. And earlier this year, he published his first book called The Five Buckets, A Framework for Living with Intention. He also publishes a weekly email and podcast called Student of Intention that was created to spark, strengthen, and support self-discovery. And on this episode, Bobby and I talk about his journey from the Midwest to sunny Southern California and ultimately unlocking his passion to be an author by living a life of intention, which is what his book is all about. So if you like the sound of that, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. Uh, be sure also, if you're getting value out of the podcast, leave us a review. It's always appreciated. And you know, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in and getting value from the show, then do yourself a favor and go to lionsguide.com and join our member community called The Pride. For no cost to you, it's free. You get access to all kinds of free exclusive content to include yet to be released episodes of the podcast. They got reading lists out there, do live virtual training events. I got private online groups to engage with other growth-minded members and a whole lot more. So again, joining The Pride is free and I'm developing it all to help you break out of your rut and or break through to the next best version of yourself by establishing clarity, building your courage, and being the true leader of your life. So check it out now. Go to lionsguide.com and join today. With that, let's start the show. guys, welcome to another episode of Lions Guy Podcast. And on today's episode, we have Mr. Bobby Dysart, who he corrected me on his name, got it right for once off the alligate. I appreciate it. So, but Bobby, he's an entrepreneur. He's an author of a book I recently read, um, The Five Buckets, A Framework for Living with Intention. Bobby, thanks for coming on, man. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Dale, man, this is, this is great. Thank you for having me on. Um, I know I had to reschedule earlier this week, so you're just a gracious host, super flexible, and uh, man, excited to be on. Um, uh, to answer your question, what I do, so I, I work with sales leaders. Um, I guess I would call them startup leaders because I work with a lot of founders as well um, to, to provide you know, incredible employee and customer experiences. Usually, I spend a lot of my time in the sales realm. Um, I'm a you know, sales leader across software startups by trade, spent 15 years in the business and started consulting back in 2019. And then, as you mentioned, I'm also an author, um, which is still funny to say, uh, you know, I wrote my first book uh, just over a year ago. Uh, and it's it's like you said, it's it's about this idea of living with intention. And that idea is is still relatively fresh. Um, you know, I hadn't, hadn't really thought of the, the word intention prior to September, we'll say September 15th last year. Um, but since then, I've, I've been just burrowing myself down the rabbit hole of figuring out what I'll say is why some people just live exactly how they want and so many people dream about it. Um, I, I read about it. I, I write about it in my uh, weekly newsletter called Student of Intention. 
Uh, I interview guests much like you're doing here in my uh, weekly podcast called Student of Intention as well. Um, and so, so that's, that's sort of my creative pursuit. I don't know if we call it a hobby or a job or what, but, uh, but that's a little bit more about me and um, happy, happy to share more as we go along. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, so you're serving others just with your insights and wisdom. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I hate to like overgeneralize it, but like, that's what I appreciated about the book um, was that you, you hit this, you know, I'll, I'll say you kind of struck gold a little bit, like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Um, and you, you brought it to life and you shared it with others. So, I mean, I, that's what you're doing. You're serving others, however we want to call it. Like, but, but I really honor that. And I think that's what I really liked about the book because, you know, I wrote just to myself about it. Like, what, what, what the heck do I like about this thing? We'll talk about it, you know, cause it, it's, it's not traditional. Like I, I read, I, I read books, you know, every week. Um, but you know, it was, it was genuine, you know, it was written compassionately to help other people, help others, you know, um, yeah. it's kind of like, so, but yeah, we'll, we'll come back to the book. Tell us a little bit about you. Like, where'd you grow up? Where are you, where are you sitting now? Where, what's, uh, what's your, what's your background story? Yeah. So I, I'm sitting right now in Newport beach. So it is, it is 7 15 AM here. Uh, I'm on the opposite coast. And I've been in Southern California for, man, I think since uh, since 2007, since fall of 2007. Um, so I kind of call it home now. Actually, I definitely call it home. When I first landed in Southern California, like uh, I knew I was home. I, I just felt right. I mixed in well with the beach uh, community and the culture. Um, obviously, met my wife here. Um, which, speaking of, she's you know she's she's certainly my world. I, I uh, got married to her in 2019, and we have a, a small, humble family of uh, of three. We have a small dog named Bernie. Uh, he's about four and a half, and uh, yeah, we we live three blocks from the beach. You, I'm sure, reading through the book, you saw that one of my favorite things to do is is run on the sand. Um, I truly feel blessed uh, to live exactly where I do and try to enjoy that Pacific Ocean as much as possible. Um, and maybe some of that stems from, I did not grow up next to the beach. I grew up in suburban Ohio, um, you know, Midwest roots, uh, if you will. And yeah, yeah. I, I guess growing up there too, you know, uh, I, I was very accustomed to the winter. Um, my dad was a general contractor. Um, so I spent a lot of time around, uh, job sites and grew appreciation for that kind of work as well as entrepreneurship um, in general, which maybe we can talk about that. I, I, I think my parents, like many folks uh, that start those kinds of businesses, don't, you know, entrepreneurship is sort of this, this newer thing, this modern word, but uh, they very much were like original entrepreneurs. And I don't think they give themselves enough credit, um, but certainly learned a lot from watching them go through that together, um, you know, building that business together. Yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, I grew up, Grew up with a really simple life. I, I uh, sunk myself into sports and academics. Uh, I was an all-American wrestler. Ended up wrestling for a year in college, and spent a ton of time just working out. And I think it was something that that's carried me through. You know that that discipline, that exposure to you know putting yourself through trials and tribulations associated with athletic endeavors. Definitely something I've carried through my career and through. Um, you know, any sort of creative pursuit. 
and something I value very much um, that time. Mm, yeah, I could go on and on, but uh, there's a little <laughs> bit more about me, Dale. So real quick about the wrestling, because I, I picked up on that um, in the stuff you sent me over. Like, so you were, did you, where'd you go to college? Where'd you wrestle in college? So I, my freshman year I had scholarship to North Carolina Chapel Hill. And I ended up tearing my meniscus maybe halfway through the season and uh, got a little homesick, had an old girlfriend. And uh, I, I ended up transferring to Ohio State my sophomore year and um, and did end up hanging my shoes up after that. But that's that's where my wrestling career uh, ended. Yeah. the uh, But to your point, wrestling, grappling, do, do you do any more of it today? I mean, obviously, jujitsu has gotten huge in the last you know, 10 plus years or more, it, it, any of that in your life today? No, no. I, uh, I just completed a half Ironman. So I, I, am very, um, into, you know, endurance sports. I, I just signed up for a full marathon in March and, and, and I'm looking to do a full Ironman probably this time next year. Um, so that's, I think that's where my passion lies as well as golf, which is completely into the spectrum, but, but very similar in terms of the the dedication needed and, and sort of the craft that you can build um, that I would say, you know, wrestling requires as well. Yeah. Now, I appreciate that. And even how you tied that that fact together, like you got to hone your skills in wrestling and golf, like to, you know, as far as the intensity to polar opposite. That's <laughs> right. Yes. But um, the the mental toughness, I think, like like golf can drive you crazy, you know, and, and it's also teaching you like, you got to change. Like you, you got to be willing to make changes. You can't, you know, keep doing the same way, same stroke. You got to figure out what you're doing wrong and be willing to change it. I think grappling similar. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta recognize like what's working and what's not working and make those adjustments aside from all the uh, endurance and, and physical aspects of, of wrestling. That's, that's a whole other thing, but, but, that, but it, it like golf, I think, requires that consistency right you know i think when i started you know jiu-jitsu 11 years ago like i remember first thing i was to ask the coach like man how do i get in shape for this it's like do more of this you know like right i mean there's there's no real great way to get in like that level of uh conditioning other than just grappling you know it's it's uh so you still do to this day i do yeah i do i do man good for you yeah i I, I mean, to your point, like it's, it's just a different kind of, uh, endurance. And I remember this might've been four years ago. I, I went home for Christmas and my old coach called me up. He was, he was coaching a new high school and he had a, um, potential state champion in his back pocket. Uh, and the guy was wrestling, I think 189 and, um, you know, real tough kid, junior at uh, Upper Arlington High School. And he asked me to, you know, just come in and uh, get to know the kid and see what I got, maybe jump on the mat with him. And sure enough, I, I did. And I hadn't been on a wrestling mat in, in several years. And, um, you know, a cu couple of takeaways. One, old man strength is definitely real. <laughs> and I was like, I was stoked because I was like, man, I've got old man strength. This is awesome. You know, because this kid was in tip top shape. Um, but I was, but I could kind of throw him around like a rag doll. And he, and he was, you know, he's a big kid. Um, but man, I, I, I quickly threw in the legs when I would get on top uh, and just sort of rest there. I was, I was like a beach whale. I was so tired. 
so quickly. It was ridiculous. Um, and then the next day, uh, and this is Christmas time. So we're, you know, my mom's making breakfast. She's getting me out of bed and, and I'm, I can barely walk. I've got bruises all my shins. Cause when I was getting tired, I'm just letting him shoot on me and trying to like, uh, kind of lazily grapple and, and get behind him. And, and I was like, man, I, I think I might've wrestled my last match there. Cause <laughs> I just, I just don't got it. Like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> the uh no i mean and maybe you studied this but so to answer my own question i started kind of studying like well what can i do you know because i don't have a, a training partner 24 7 in my pocket that i can whip out and, and train jujitsu with what i want right to so to the point like to get in shape for it what do you do and i i came to learn like you know we really have three systems right we've got our, our uh, anaerobic strength we've got our anaerobic uh you know uh, vo2 system you know that high intensity stuff and then we've got our aerobic you know endurance system um so i to this day kind of train that right and I, I i used to run marathons and all that stuff so like i would spend my weeks running a gazillion miles and like building all that endurance but you know uh, people are here this heard this before but I knew you have it like first time i tried jujitsu was like your your buddy you're talking about uh, going golf like someone asked me i said hey have you figured out i'll go with you i'll be the i'll be the good buddy right i'll go with you um and dude i got railed by a 15 year old kid i was 31 years old and this kid just beat my tail on the mats and i, I walked out there's like there's no way i'm walking around in life knowing that there's a 15 year old that can can just beat me you know there, there's no way so i fell oh. in love with it and, uh, and start, you know, my brain's going like, okay, like, how do I solve for this? So, you know, so now like I, I make sure my weekly workouts, it shifted from running, you know, 25, 75 miles a week to, okay, what am I doing for high intensity work this week? What am I doing for endurance work? What am I doing for strength work? Because, you know, when you do grappling, it's all of those systems, right? Like if you're yeah. running, it's, hey, how can you build up your endurance, your aerobic endurance? You need that on the mats. Um, but you need strength, like you need muscular endurance. So you got to work your anaerobic system. And I prefer, you, you ever know, like when you wrestle, like your arms just get tired, they're just burnt out. Right. So, so you, you got to do high reps, like do, do high rep sets so that you, your muscle muscular endurance is like prepared for that. Right. You can't do the little two, three heavy, you know, sets. Yeah. You'll get stronger, but you won't be able to endure, you know, these three, four, five minute rounds. Um, and then your VO2 max, you know, like if you're, if you're just a runner and then you go get on the mats, like you're going to get smoked real quick right. and you're going to be wondering, like I've wrestled with people who have never done it before and they go, I don't get it. I bike, you know, 50 miles every weekend. I'm like, not the same system. Like you, you could probably smoke me if we go bike for 50 miles, but this ain't that bro. Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta know, like I'm, I'm going to take you to your max from your VO2 max. Um, so, so grapplers if you're listening you don't really quite know you, you, you have multiple systems you have to train you know to get yourself uh prepared and, and even still like you still got to go rap, grapple you know like you, you just got to put in the work but if you're trying to do non-mat stuff that's that's what i've been doing for a while now so oh man i mean hand-to-hand -hand combat is just just one person versus the other person just zaps your energy unlike anything you can ever imagine i, I definitely remember people you know, friends and, and family always just sort of being blown away that matches were only six minutes and saying like, you know, what, what can happen in six minutes and, and you get in a dog fight, like <laughs> six minutes can feel like a century and you're just like every second ticking by, you're just getting more and more exhausted.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so years ago, I don't know how many years, I was a blue belt at the time and I entered a submission only tournament. So like, unlike wrestling, or like wrestling, jujitsu tournaments, they got the points and all that stuff. I'm not really there for points. I'm there to win, you know? So I found this <laughs> tournament that was like submission only, like someone's going to win. Um, and, but what they did, they had times and, and then they would have like a little runoff to kind of make one finish the other or whatever. It's kind of like, it was kind of like the equivalent of like what they do in the NFL. Like you get the ball and then you get the ball. And if you win, you know, so they would, they would kind of like set you up. Like if it was a, no one had won at the end of 10 minutes or whatever it is, you would take their back and they would take your back and, you would kind of have like a playoff, you know, if that makes that if I'm explaining that properly, except yeah. for the championships, they didn't do that. If you made it to the, the championship round, it was untimed. You went until someone was submitted. My gi match in that blue belt tournament, we went for 51 minutes, 51 minutes grappling. Like me and a dude were like exhausted. I don't even remember how we finished it. I won. Bad news for him. I had just got done. I had learned that summer about what I just told you about the anaerobic system. I had just ran the Marine Corps Marathon a few weeks prior. So my endurance was way up. I had been training in the gym, like say high rep musculars to really, I hated when my arms would be just dead, you know, when you're yeah. rolling and my arms are just dead. So, you know, I had solved for that. So this cat hats off to him, but I came in, you know, it just, and so, um, he and I, we went for 51 minutes in the gi version. And I watched when he was done, he just went and just collapsed in the corner. I was, I was, I was okay. Not like say I'm not, you know, I was just like happy I won. So I was off those endorphins. But I told my coach, I was like, man, if I face this dude again in the no gi, like he's, I don't, I don't know how he's going to show up, dude. Like I, I, I got no clue. So like a couple hours later, same thing. He and I championship round, no gi this time. And, um, uh, we went for 27 minutes the second time, you know, and it was, it was a good one. It was just fun, but you can go deep, but you, <laughs> a lot of guys, especially when they get started, they just go, Hey, I'm done. That, they'll tap just because they're completely exhausted, you know, until you get that kind of, you know, get the technique down and all that. But yeah, I love it. I, it's, it's, it's like, it's what you said. It really tests yourself. It takes you to, it takes you to new limits that you got to really, you know, know what they are and be, be willing to push through them. You know, it's, it takes you in a really uncomfortable area, which I, like I said, I know you appreciate from wrestling. hundred percent, man. And jujitsu, I swear, it's just like one of those things that keeps coming up in my life, keep coming up in my world with people I meet. So who knows, man, maybe, maybe you're going to drag me out under the mat one of these days. <laughs> doesn't hurt to try. Give, first lesson's always free. <laughs> that's right. That's right. First lesson's always free. Yeah, no, I think I think like say if you're doing what you're doing between the the um, Ironmans and the marathons and stuff, it it is, it's it's fun. It's it's a blast and it, it you know takes a lot of stress out. Like, what are you going to think about when you? And again, I'm talking to somebody who knows this. Like for me, like what am I going to think about when I got somebody that? And I'm always a lightweight dude. I walk around 150 pounds. Like I'm tall, but I, I can't put on weight. I never could. So I'm always the lightweight on the mats. You know, and it's um it's fun. You know, it's, it's, I, I can't, I can't think about the stresses of work and life and my projects because I got a dude hanging off my back that outweighs me by 40 pounds trying to put me to sleep man. like, you know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I definitely would, would encourage it. So, uh, back to you though. That's, that's fun. The, um, with regard to what made you come to California? 
I mean, <laughs> this answer sounds so funny, but it's the truth, man. It's the beach and the babes. Like that's, that's why I came, um, you know, it simply stated my, my, my dad grew up, uh, in San Diego for, um, a brief stint in his twenties, we'll say. And he, I think always sort of rightfully so put Southern California on this pedestal. And so I hadn't even, I hadn't even visited it when I chose to to, to come live here, which was a day after I graduated Ohio state. I, um, you know, I jumped in a U-Haul, um, didn't have a job. And that was, yeah, that was 07. Um, you know, just sort of like around recession time. So I, I was sort of ignorant, didn't even really know what I was doing. And, um, but, but, you know, such is life, like everything just, just seemed to unfold in front of me and work out really well. Um, you know, like I said, the, the second I landed here, I just felt at home. Um, the first guy I met happened to be another Ohio State grad, happened to not know anyone, and and we just became quick friends. And um, and slowly but surely, other uh, guys I went to college with kind of followed me out here. And and man, it's just it's it it was just such a beautiful experience to be accepted into the beach community of Redondo Beach at that time and bump into so many transplants so many people just in their 20s from you know midwest areas indiana chicago etc and it just uh you know and then just fell into you know one sales job after another and met a lot of mentors and mm, yeah it, it, you know it, I, so, so that's what brought me here and 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 i've you know i've never really looked back yeah, you can't beat it, man. It's it's just right there. It's so accessible. So much to do, you know. I, I definitely. The yeah, in the Pacific Ocean in particular, like I, I remember another uh, another business school acquaintance. Like we had had a couple, we had had a couple classes together. He moved out here, and he moved to the Valley, um, a place called Sherman Oaks, which is like an hour drive from the beach. And he asked me to roommate with him, and was trying to just expose me to this more of like a West Hollywood lifestyle, more of like a um, sort, sort of an urban scene. And um, I said, no, man, like I, I didn't move 3000 miles to not be next to the beach. Um, you know, my very first apartment was, uh, you know, two blocks from the beach. And um, six months later, he was gone. He went back to Ohio six months later, you know, or 13 years, I'm still here. So, you know, and, and I credit that power to the beach, uh, in the Pacific ocean. It's just like, it, it's just something that really pulled me in. And, um, I just, I just really can't get enough of. And did you ever get into surfing and all that as well? I have surfed a little bit here and there. Um, I have two boards in my garage. I don't surf as much as I should. Uh, I did take, and it's just because these other things, you know, golf, I think like it sounds like for you with, with jujitsu, it became this annoying addiction for me uh, over the last, really over the last three years. I've, I've slowed off of it a little bit. And now I'm definitely pouring into uh, uh, Ironmans and writing, which is really what I'm pouring as much time as I can into. But, uh, but serving, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a, it's, it's a less convenient sport than you would think, or, or maybe you do think, I think that was kind of another reason I didn't, I didn't fall in love with it as much as I'd want to. I go in the ocean a lot, but I don't surf as much. Um, but Tracy, my wife and I, we did take a few lessons together to try and get her into it. 
uh, two months ago and that was really fun. So, um, you never know. It, it, she, she definitely enjoyed it. And if we can, if we can do that as a couple, I think that'd be really awesome. But yeah, that would, that would be cool. That would those be other cool. things just keep dragging. It, you know, there's only so much time you have in the day. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't do it all. Right. And, and, and surfing again, kind of like golf and wrestling, like it's something that you got to get good at to even enjoy it properly. Right. Cause you can be frustrated sure. out there for a day, just eating, eating waves and not just, uh, not getting anything going. So, um, it's one of those things like if you, you got to put the time in, you know. but, but I'm, it's, it looks like a blast. Once you, once you figure it out, how you can get up and stay up and get back out there and do it again, man, it's, it's a blast. So. Yeah. I, I picked up on it pretty, uh, pretty quickly. It's, um, the guy who taught me actually really compared it to golf, uh, oddly enough. So that really clicked, um, with regards to the, the deliberate movement and, and less movement is, is, is more movement. Right. Um, so, so yeah, there, there was an interesting correlation from the start with, uh, between that and golf, but I keep talking about golf, golf, golf now is like, I don't know. I'm, I'm less and less into it because it is a black hole of the sport. Um, but, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. So to the book, man, like number one, congrats on it. I'd like to say, I, I really honor you for getting it done. I got a ton of respect for you, you know, for bringing this, this thing to life, you know, it seemed like, so tell me, tell me about your background as an author, right? Like you, were you a writer before? Was that something that you're into? Like how, how did you come to write as write a book? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a good question. And, and I talk about this in the book, uh, briefly in the beginning, um, that, you know, I, I think so many of us, we have these little, these little gifts, these little itches, these little glimpses of, of lives we can live or things we can do or, um, you know, passions that spark our curiosity. And writing was definitely always one of those things for me. Um, I, I studied English for two quarters at Ohio State and, you know, fell in love with poetry there, fell in love with old, you know, British literature. And, you know, my, my, I mention this every time I, I talk about this and my mom, when she listens to podcasts, just, just cringes, but she, she, you know, she sat me down and said, you know, Bob, like I didn't send you to college to go be a poor English, you know, teacher, you know, you, you, you've got to get in business. You got to go, you know, make the family proud, go make money. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, bless her. She, you know, she, she means well. And, and, and so, um, so I made the decision to, to go back into business and, and really it was just like, I kind of charged through college thinking about, okay, what's next, what's next. And, you know, and, and, and sort of put writing to the side and, and really kind of put it to the side ever since with the exception of, I wrote, I, I write a lot of poetry. I probably have close to 50 poems stashed in my iPhone and my iPhone's notepad and um, I've always journaled quite a bit, but, um, and, and it always had a ton of ideas for books, right? I think again, in the book I mentioned, I, I really, I had a, a concrete idea for a novel about basically playing on the, uh, the dynamic that I had in college of working construction by day and going to business school at night. I thought it was a really interesting world just being in the trenches with the blue collar workers of the 
you know, of the carpentry industry and, and learning that craft. Like I loved the craft of working with my hands and working on wood. Um, and then almost like by, by the hour transitioned into this very white collar, um, you know, prestigious business school environment where we're talking about, you know, international business concepts and marketing concepts and, you know, product development, et cetera. And, you know, I wanted to write a book about that, um, but I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to write a book about my transition to Southern California um, as sort of a, a guide for Midwest folks that, that Midwest college kids that want to jump out and, and go make a life for them uh, in the West Coast. Because I did that and it seemed like it almost seemed surreal and something I wanted to give to other, other people that maybe were scared to move West. Um, and, and the list goes on. I'd always had all this, you know, these, these beautiful ideas, these things that I wanted to act upon and I just didn't. And what I really liked about this book is I sort of just had this internal enough is enough attitude and sat down and, and, and just wrote it and, and got it done. And, um, I'm, I'm glad you recognize the, just the gravity of actually bringing something to life and getting it done. Um, cause it, 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 it's, it was tough. Uh, there was tons of, of moments of, uh, and obstacles that I went through after sort of getting over that first hump, um, and to, to ultimately bring it out into fruition and, and have this thing right here. Like, uh, it, it's it definitely, it's a pretty cool experience. What was the, the break? What, what changed? Like what changed, you know, you had all these ideas for books, um, and again, I love it. I think we started here. Like you, you're doing it in service of others, right? You're like, yeah, I'm, this is great. Move it, picking up, moving from the Midwest. This would be a great book, a guide. And, and you said it. I was thinking it like to to help encourage others, like because that's it. People are scared to do these things, but you give them a little bit of clarity. It lends to their confidence. They got a framework to work with. Boom, they got the courage to make a move. So again, I, I mean, I honor you for that. What was what was holding you back? from letting some of this stuff out? Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, the, the framework definitely unlocked it. You know, it, it, it uh, and I talk about this too. You know, I, I didn't know, but uh, at, at that time of my life, I was, I was in search of guidance and um, this, this sort of development came to me at, uh, at a men's retreat out in Idlewild, California. During one of the meditation ceremonies, uh, one of the guys was singing this song called uh, I Pure by this guy named Franco Hecke. And the main phrase is, I pray for guidance, or one of the main choruses, I pray for guidance. And I, I had gone to this retreat sort of on a whim. Um, a good friend of mine named Kenny Borg had invited me. And he's just one of those guys that you just don't say no to. He's just super... Um, you know, he's always there for me, super kind and, and really cool. He, he, he does, he does fun things. He introduces me to cool stuff and cool people. So, you know, I went there sort of wide eyed and curious, but without expectation. And, and certainly in this moment, when this guy says over and over again, I pray for guidance, I had no idea that that was going to hit me so hard, but it did really hit me, um, in, in the way that, in the way that sometimes you, you just, you find something you didn't know you were looking for. And like, that surprised me. Like I was like, I remember being in this, in this circle with all these men and saying like, man, guidance, like, holy crap. Like, that's what I'm, 
that's what I'm looking for. Like, uh, and, and it just, it just really struck me. It was really weird. It was a really interesting moment. And shortly after that, this, um, you know, just this idea for, for, um, the five buckets, this framework of naming intentions across these five areas of lives sort of seized me. And it was the connective tissue was, Hey, like, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm most present in a moment, when I'm most like, like I am in, like I was right then, like that's sort of what led me to, to this idea of guidance. So, you know, maybe there's something to this, maybe there's something to being more connected to our daily actions, being more connected to the different areas of our lives. And that, uh, you know, I, I just, I took that little framework. I wrote it down. I wrote down the five areas zipped home that weekend and I started practicing it. I started naming intentions. I started completing them, started mm-hmm. reflecting in my journal in this, and, and this framework was very much for me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't at that point, it wasn't a book. It wasn't an idea for a book. It was like, Hey, I, this thing I could use, um, again, to, to sort of find guidance. Hey guys, Dale here. And I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called the pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique. Like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And, you know, what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands on you. And in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut. Break into your next level and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. What, what was life like before you went to this for you? You know, what, I'll leave it at that if I need to clarify, but what was life like before now that you look back, like what was your life like before that? as far as intentions, like your fulfillment, like, you know, what, what was, what was life like for you before you went to this thing? I kind of had this moment. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's such a funny question in the sense that, um, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, quote unquote successful and, you know, I've had a great career in, in software sales. I've, you know, I obviously had great support with my wife and my family and my friends, like, you know, I just told you about my early days of Southern California. I just felt so fortunate and so lucky and so loved. And, um, you know, I think all those things can be true. And like, I've just always been that guy kind of walking around like, what's missing, man? Like some, something's missing. And, you know, I'm such an optimistic guy. I, I, I'm such a positive person that I don't, you know, I don't, 
walk around sort of, you know, my head down and, and, and dumpy. It's just one of those things that I, it's sort of a burden that I've, I've just bared by myself. You know, I've sort of taken to, you know, taken to the office or taken to the corner of the room, taken to the gym of just like, man, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, I don't, I don't know, but something doesn't feel right. Something's eating away at me. And, um, now, you know, is it, it a fulfillment it, thing or a congruence thing? Like, did you not just, are you saying that you were having success, but you didn't feel fulfilled? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and you can kind of see that as a pattern with my, with my uh, business pursuits as well. You know, I had, um, I'd climbed the ladder uh, at, at my first sales job. I'd been there like four years and I ended up being general manager of, uh, of one of the, the Orange County branch. And I was like 27 and I was running an office of like 30, you know, 30 or 40, 20 year olds. And then I, uh, I jumped into a web startup to sort of just like let go and, and, and jump into that. It's like, I worked my butt off to get to this point. And then I was like, no, let's go over there. Let's go invest 30 grand into this thing and, you know, not pay myself a dime and go see what this is like, you know? Um, and then, you know, I, I went to two other startups and, and sort of, sort of did the same thing, found myself in sales leadership positions and, and kept trying to get smaller and smaller to the nucleus of an early stage startup where, you know, that would sort of, you know, that, that was kind of my idea of like, okay, well, that's, that's what will make me feel whole. Like if I'm sort of helping incubate a business, um, but, but it's also less risky than, you know, than, than, than building my own and, you know, and my wife, meanwhile, she, she, she was at the same business for like eight years. And so she's seen me kind of make all these jumps and she's like, what the heck is going on? And, you know, you can look at it, you, you can rationalize it as much as you want and say, well, you know, it's strategic and, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, just build my credibility across different, you know, sectors or startups or what have you. Right. But really it was me, I, I think it was me just saying like, just sort of pinballing around saying like, where, where's this fulfillment? going to come from, um, and really ignoring that artistic side of me, that writer side of me that, that I think has just been trying to, trying to scream at me for a long time to, to pay attention to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you know, that, that's, that's sort of my thoughts on it. Um, you know, I, I could go into, you know, deeper detail on like how that, how that sort of played itself out in, in my personal life. But, um, but yeah, there, there was definitely a, a clear demarcation point um, established at that, at that retreat. And since then, I've, I've definitely changed in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of people would tell you I'm still the same me. There's just like a more s s sort of a purity to me, like something that, that has always been there, but that's been sort of uncovered, if you will. Hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting adventure since that day. That's awesome. The, uh, I wonder, and I'll throw this out there to you. But so your parents were general contractors, was it? Like, were they building homes or? Building homes, yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned something that's come up in other conversations I've had, which is like today, everything's so digital. You know, everything's like cloud, you know, like, they, they're, they're, you, know, <laughs> you know, do you think like there was some of your blueprint that was hands-on, like, you know, and you're, I'm talking your mental blueprint, like how you came up seeing the results of your labor, right? Like you put in a hard day's work and you see 
physically in front of your eyes, like what you produce that day, right? Um, yet when you go into business, you go in sales, it's not as tangible, right? Sure, there's reports and there's numbers and there's signed papers, you know, and booking deals and all that stuff. But it's nowhere near that tangible piece of fulfillment. Like when you, when you're an artist, like when you create something and you go, I just did that, you know, like, do you think that had any kind of play? Like your, maybe your, your blueprint of how you came up, just blue collar, hands on getting stuff done. Now you're in this, this business world where this, that, that tangible effect maybe wasn't as, um, what's the right word? Wasn't as solid. You know, it's just kind of like these, you know, digital things. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great observation. Um, and something I haven't thought about in, in a long time, but absolutely. I, you know, I, I just told you I was going to write a book about the, the dynamic because I, I was deeply fascinated with the craft of carpentry and, mm. you know, like, like I think anything you and, 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 and myself and, and people like us, when, when we, you know, when you got beat by that 15 year old, it struck a chord. And you're like, I want to go get better. Right. I had the same humbling experience on the job site where, you know, I was told to put up a wall and they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing? How are you putting the studs? And why are you stacking everything that way? And, and, you know, these, these older men in their thirties and forties are just looking at me like, who's this worthless, like boss's kid. Right. And so I quickly was like, I'm going to work my butt off to, to be able to run circles around you guys. And I did like, I, I quickly in, in a two year span, I was running a crew of six. Um, I was sliding up and down, you know, 14 by 12 pitch, uh, pitch roofs. And, and I just, I, I, I sort of brought an athleticism and a passion to this, to this thing. And, and sure enough, at the end of the day, like standing back and seeing like what five guys could do with hand tools. It's crazy. I remember that feeling like really struck me when we had built a clubhouse for a, um, a, a golf course. This is a massive facility. It had to be 6,000 square feet. And just these crazy, um, beautiful, like, uh, dormers and this a wonderful roof and these huge windows. And, and I remember standing back and just being like, this is nuts. It's nuts that we just built that in, you know, the course of, you know, 70, 80 days, um, with just hand saws and, and hammers and, and nail guns. And it, it's been such a long time. I haven't talked about it like that, but definitely in the first five, six years of selling, um, and certainly at the dawn of think of, of like when everything transitioned to software sales, it, it got even more digital and even more sort of disconnected from the work where I would, I would definitely someday scratch my head and be like, man, what do I do? Like, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm helping these people buy this thing and I get paid a, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, all things considered. And you know, it's not, it wasn't a popular opinion, but it was definitely my, you know, definitely didn't sit right. Some, something fell off about it for sure. Yeah. And I think that's, and, and, and I bring that up for that very reason, because I, I just wonder, and, and do people need to hear that? Like, Hey, we, we got, we live in a digital age. We live in an information age. We don't do enough hands-on things like we had to over the you know, last hundred years ago, you know, of, of our humanity, even let alone before, um, and, you know, I wonder just 
maybe we need those of us who might be out there feeling like, man, I just don't, I'm doing this, I'm making money, but I don't feel like, I don't know, I don't feel that sense of fulfillment. Like maybe you need to find a hobby that's a little bit more hands on or something that you enjoy doing and, and devoting that time to, you know what I mean? Like something to kind of just feel some reward, some tangible reward, um, because the more we get digital, we just don't have that. You know, we, we look at bank accounts, we see numbers, right? Like we don't, you know, I, I, I talked before, like I cut my own grass only because I enjoy the fulfillment of seeing the yard, what it was and spending an hour. And now it looks awesome. You know what I mean? Like I grew up, I, I, you might appreciate this. I grew up like my job through high school. I worked on a golf course. I was part of maintenance crew. And I, that was like for a fulfilling day from six to three, I'm out there mowing greens, right? Like, you know, like you walk out on a golf course and like we mow greens every day, but there's a difference between an unmowed green since yesterday. You look at it and then you mow it, it looks all pretty. And that like, I really enjoyed that. I was like, I still say today, it's one of the best jobs I ever had. And I think it's because like you spend an hour on a project and you turn around and look and go, I did that, you know? And, and I think, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know that we have enough of that these days, or like I say, maybe folks that are lacking a feeling of fulfillment, maybe, maybe that's something to, to, to think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I and it can come in so many ways, and and, and I think it's, you know, it, it's. I want to speak to two parts. So, so on one hand, is is the fact that like we we live in this just abundant world where so like things are just easy. You know, entertainment comes to us uh, on demand at the click of a button or on you know at the swipe of a, you know, on on your phone. Um, you know, you can get any sort of food that you want, um, relatively speaking, right. Um, delivered to your door, um, or it's just, you say, know, a, a now you don't even street. need to walk out the door to go get it. Like, you know, you, yeah, there it is, you know, so, so, so you're sort of just predisposed to this, like just this, this ridiculously convenient way of just having stuff brought to you, right. Amazon, same thing, right. Like you can just get stuff just almost way too easily. Right. Um, and so I think it lends itself to that disconnection of things that maybe take a little bit more time or things that, um, you you have to go outside to do. And, you know, the, the bucket that always gets the mm, sort of the head scratch is the creativity bucket. And in the book, I, I put that as the second bucket, um, right under relationships, and I, I do it purposely because I think our creative muscle uh, is is atrophying, and it's uh, and I think it it's it's the one that that lends itself most to that fulfillment piece. And if it's not worked on in one way, shape, or form, which it can be gardening, it can be painting, it can be drawing, it can be writing, it could be you know you, you could even use digital tools um, as there are many um, to sort of craft some sort of. Um, you know, creation, but, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's definitely a big piece that, that gets lost. And again, when I talk about, talk about the book, that's usually where people are like, well, I'm not creative and they don't really push themselves in that direction. Yeah. yeah and, and that said, like, and, and a point that you just made me think of too, I can't do books on Kindle because I want to feel it. I want to flip through the pages. I want to see my my bookmark go through, like, as I go through the book, I want to see the progress. I, I I didn't get that. And, and it was like, people would ask me like, well, why don't you just get the Kindle, especially when they came out and they were hot and it was so easy. I loved the idea. I hated the feeling of it. 
right? I just had, I, I, cause I was a reader before real books, but I never, when I read on the Kindle, I didn't know how far I was. I didn't like, I, and I think you, you made me think of that. Like even in my joy of reading, like I got to do the classic, I need the book so I can feel it. I can feel the, the sense of accomplishing reading a book. So. Dude, are we just too old school, Dale? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> me, me too, um, man. Like you see my books, like I read them, I bend the ears, I write in them, um, or bend the pages, I should say. And yeah, it's it's you, you just struck a chord with me. I, I I have friends that they'll they'll come up to me and, and I'm just always like, what are you reading? And they're like, oh, I'm reading this, I'm reading that. And they're they're listening to it. They've got an Audible and, and you know, don't get me wrong, love podcasts, love Audible, but it's like, you're not reading that, dude, you listen to it. And they'll be, they'll, they'll pump through books while they're, you know, working, you know, making dinner. And I'm like, I, that's, that's not reading, bro. That's just, yeah. you, you've got I mean, some good, you're, you're good voice in your no. Yeah, you're not getting the info. I mean, I, I did a lesson on um, distractions talking about like our focal points, right? We have we can't, we're not really multitasking. We've got a foreground task and a background task, but otherwise we're processing just like a computer does, you know, in order, maybe fast, maybe not whatever. So like, to me, I say, I'm like, you, I can't listen to a book. I'm not getting out my attention. My intention for reading it is to get the value out of it. I'm not getting the full value out of it. If I'm listening to a book while I'm doing something else, I'm, you know, it's, it is then a background task and it's not, um, going to deliver what my intention was so the uh <laughs> so sorry sorry guys no 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 hate no you're not judging the uh the no, no, no. All that. Yeah, like do your thing do your thing it just doesn't work for me um and uh i guess if you, if you find yourself audibling 50 books a year but you don't feel any smarter or better about yourself like maybe just buy the real thing and give it a shot see if you see if it helps you but uh, i just i can't get nothing out of it if i'm if i'm reading it but um, so with regard to your book, who did you write it for? You, you know, like my, my, my best question or my best answer to that question is I wrote it for people like me. Um, you know, I think young professionals that, um, you know, that, that are experiencing some of that lack of fulfillment that we talked about um, that, that and, and they're sort of scratching their head because they're just like, I don't get it. Like, I've got a good life. I, you know, live where I want, I make solid money, you know, maybe I have a good, you know, a good family, good wife, et cetera, but there's still something missing. And, um, and, and so that's, that's who I wrote it for. I think, I think when I set out to it selfishly, Dale, I wrote it for me. Like <laughs> It was like, it, it, you know, again, it was like this enough is enough feeling that like, I, I've got to sit down, I've got to do this thing. I've got enough motivation. I've got enough momentum in this, in this particular time in my life that, um, that I'm just, I'm just not going to lose it. You know, I'm not going to not take advantage of it. Um, so, so that's, you know, that's the real truth. I wrote it for me, man. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, good for you, man. It's like, and it's, 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 and, and I, I heard it in your other endeavors, but like, um, I, I appreciate your courage in that, like taking that on going, Hey, you know, I'm going to get this, this done. It takes courage. That's, a, that's where a lot of people fall short, right? They fear the process or that it's not going to be good or whatever. So man, good, good on you. The, um, and I guess, you know, with, with regard, you know, the five buckets, living a life of intention, you know, what define for me, like, what is living a life of intention? Like, what, what is it defined? How would you describe it? Well, the first thing is, is it is just, I, I think it's again, a, a, a 
deep hole that I'm just now kind of burrowing through a little bit. So I, I, my eyes are wide. I, I, I keep trying to learn as much as I can. I can't, you know, we, we talked about reading with intention and, and, and trying to soak up books. Like it's crazy how I treat books now compared to how I treated books before. You know, I've, I've read The War of Art. I just read it a fifth time on the flight back from Pebble. Um, you know, Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy. I've read it three times. And then I created a, uh, a PowerPoint Google slide deck of my breakdown of the book to try to really like own the content you know, like really, really soak it up. And so like, that's, that's just an example of like how intention is showing up in my life where like, it just didn't before, you know, I, I, I think I was like a lot of us, I would just read a book to say, I read that book to sort of get it done, right. To mark it off the list. And now it's like, that's not even close to good enough. Everything I do, I want to really like extract as much value as I can and I think that's, that's a big part of living with, with intention is um, this, this word I've been exploring lately is depth. And it's the depth of our relationships, the depth of our actions, the depth of our learning, the depth of, you know, the, the things we bring into the world. And like, and I think that only comes from repetition. It comes from consistency. It comes from like showing up day in and day out. Um, so that, that's sort of my latest kind of musings about living with intention, um, in the book and, and, and sort of how I orient around, orient around the idea moving forward. Um, it, I, I break it down into this three, into these three phases and I break it down into action, discovery and alignment. And so I, I start with action because, um, and, and a lot of people, Again, when they ask me about intention, they're like, well, wouldn't it start with thought? And the reason I don't start with thought is because think of how many worthless thoughts we have in a day, right? Like I think an act, you know, even the smallest action is worth more than a million thoughts. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the Ironman race doesn't begin when you start thinking about the Ironman race, right? It begins when you, when that, you know, that whistle blows or that gun sh shoots off and, and you're off, right? And that journey sort of that, that journey sort of begins. And so I think of living with intention is being cognizant of like all the actions that we're taking in our life. And um, I call it a process of discovery, not necessarily a process of knowing. And so once we take that action, we sort of know the direction of what we're going and it can, and you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to, you know, having intention of learning jujitsu, of writing a book, of starting a business, whatever. The point is you, you, you start with some sort of action and that gets you going in a direction. But that, that second phase is that discovery phase. It's that awareness phase where you actually start to say, whoa, like this actually led to something I didn't even know existed, right? You start to, you gain awareness. You, you understand the nuance of, of what that path is or what that action is, what that process is, what, et cetera, right? And then as you go through, as you keep showing up, um, alignment is the last phase. And alignment's, alignment's a real interesting one. And, and I think it's, for, for me, it's particular, I mean, it's interesting for two reasons. 
One, it's this idea that the universe is kind of conspiring in your favor, which is awesome because you're just like, okay, I'm not all, you know, this, this isn't all on me, right? Like there's, there's, there's forces here to help. Um, but I think it's also interesting because it just, it shows up in so many books that I read in so many different ways. There's this book called The Power of Intention by this guy named Wayne Dyer. And he, he basically talks about intention as, as this force, as this you know, energy field that we sort of plug into to live out the lives we want. In Stephen Pressfield's, I think he, he talks about it in multiple books, but he basically talks about his art kind of coming through him via the muse is what he calls you know, the universe, God, et cetera. And, um, you know, I could go on down the list, you know, Julia Cameron talks about it in a different way and in the artist way. And it's just really fascinating to me that there's, you know, that everything I read sort of points to the same sort of message that, um, that we, we show up and like our job is to, to sort of, um, control our actions and do our part. But the more we do it and the more consistent we show up, um, the more help we get. And that help can, can show up as, you know, as real as like introductions to, um, you know, potential business partners to, um, you know, with, with me and writing the book publisher, a publisher showed up, a, an editor showed up, a designer showed up. Um, and it can be more ethereal things like ideas and inspiration. Um, so, so that's how I break it down. And again, it's a, it's, it's something I'm just going to keep studying until it gets old. Uh, that's why I set up the, uh, I think that's why I set up the newsletter and the podcast is to just, um, leverage different ways, different platforms to continue to my studies of this idea. But, uh, that's my latest on living with intention. Yeah, I think it's great. And, um, now is the depth part of it, is that like your next project, like digging into depth and consistency and how it applies to this? Um, I, I would say it's more of a, it's more of a theme than it is, um, my next project, my next project, I think, um, don't hold me to it, Dale, but, um, I, I really like how Ryan holiday writes his books. He breaks them up into three parts and it just sort of, you know, that, that, that three part phase of living with intention kind of came to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like how he integrates, um, historical figures and stories into each, um, you know, to, to, to the points of his book. And that's something that, um, I'm very interested in doing. I mean, very interested in researching, you know, the, we'll call it the great turnarounds, right? Like where, where folks maybe more, more famous than I or you went through this same sort of journey of like, they were zigging and then they zagged and, and what did their version of action discovery alignment look like? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And it, and it helps, right? It's relatable. You see their, the history of it, like the results of these actions and what they went through. Yeah, one of the things I loved about the book too that I wanted to, to honor you on was like, you know, the question that you have on there, like, you know, questions to begin asking yourself. It was in the reflection portion of the intro. And like, and this is where I like, as I was summing through it, like it started to sing to me early because it was like, what am I avoiding? Like, and it was like courageous introspection. Like, what am I avoiding? And I, I, I loved it because it's like, it's a great challenge. Like do that. that I think people do avoid it. Like they, they avoid it. Like 
we avoid a lot and it's because we can, right? The necessity to take on the challenges before us, we're living in these comfort zones and stuff like that. So I really liked, you know, that you called that out. Like ask yourself, like, what are you avoiding? Write that down, call it out. And it was, it was, it was awesome, you know, part of the book there in the beginning for sure. The, um, how did you come up with the, um, the format? You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a novel book. It's, it's a, it's a bigger book. You held it up, but you know, what, what's the, any reason for it being kind of like a bigger style book? Um, just, just the journal piece in the back, you know, I, I, um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's twofold. One, I wanted, you know, you know, the, the book is really only written as an on-ramp to you writing down intentions and, you know, uh, reflecting on, on, on those intentions and your actions and sort of examining your life. So, um, I wanted to make it as, as approachable as possible, as easy for someone to like actually dive in and start writing. Um, and, and then I, I also think it was, you know, again, it was just sort of this thing that unfolded, like, it, it, you know, the, I, the design, like, you know, it's like, I, it's one part vision and one part discovery, you know, like I, I, I it, when I, when I thought about this book and when I started writing it down, like, there's no way I thought of it like as that, <laughs> that just sort of happened. Um, I think brick by brick of meeting with folks that, that sort of came into my life. Um, it's odd, odd, um, sort of an odd observation. Um, a lot of females helped me with this book. Um, my editor was female. My designer for the original image was female. The designer for the logo is female. And then my proofreader was female. And none of them I knew before this project. They all sort of got introduced to me by a friend of a friend, or I stumbled on some of their work. Um, so the, the ultimate project is definitely, and I want to like, just thank all of them. Um, this book doesn't get done uh, with all those people. And um, it certainly doesn't look the way that it looks without those people. So it uh, definitely credit to them um, as well. Yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. And, and I lo- love that too, right? It's, it's, it serves its whole purpose, right? It guides you through like, the mindset, the the challenge of setting your intentions and gives you the framework to do it and goes, oh, by the way, you know, while you got this in hand, grab your pen and get started. You know, it's like, it's all right there. It's it's, it's pretty cool. It, 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 like when it delivered to me, I, I did take a double take. I'm like, wait a minute, what, what, what is this thing? Did my man sent me a children's book or what? And then I got into it. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then and I got into it. I was like, awesome. This, this is neat. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was curious kind of how that came about, but um, I really love the, the, um, the saying that you have in it, the, um, you know, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Why is that such a theme? Mm, man, I mean, I, I, it's a theme cause it, 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 it's what I used, man. It's what I still use. Uh, and, and that phrase has really resonated um, with a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm pretty, pretty active on LinkedIn and I still remember, um, you know, most of my posts, you know, I'll get like 30 likes, 40 likes, something like that. And the first time I posted, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. 
was like my first version of virality. It was really interesting. It had millions and millions of views and it got like thousands of likes. And um, I, I remember I almost didn't even put it on there because I was like, yeah, it's too short. It doesn't, doesn't, really, doesn't really mean anything to anybody else. Uh, and, and boy, was I wrong. Um, you know, everyone sort of, sort of appreciates that, um, that short, sweet to the point mantra. And I, you know, I, I certainly use it. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an invitation to dive in and to fail and to, to not have expectations. Um, you know, I think that's what keeps us from doing our work so much is that it is fear. Really. It's really, really fear. It's fear of failure. It's fear of looking bad or fear of not finishing. And, um, you know, I think fear is something I've always wrestled with. Um, and, and so that little mantra, um, reminds me that, you know, fear, fear, it's okay to have fear. It's okay to get scared. It's okay to, to, to recognize, um, those emotions, but, um, but, you know, you use whatever you can to overcome it. Cause our, you know, it's, the the creations inside of us the things that we can do and live out the way that we can live out our lives is much more valuable than um you know these these fleeting feelings of fear yeah and i think that's a good segue to this mention that you had in your book you mentioned the pain of resisting our daemon you know what what does that mean well, are you familiar with where that came from? Uh, the word Damon? I think you mentioned it was a Pressfield yeah, quote. Or, yeah. yeah, right. So, and I've since looked it up. He, he actually discovered it from a James Hillman book called The Soul's Code. Um, that book is really crazy and, and, and a much harder read. So, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to recommend it, but Stephen loves it. He recommends it. Um, uh, I ended up putting it down and who knows, I might finish it because it is really crazy. But, but either way, this, um, between the two of them, they, they essentially make, make the case that there's, there's a daemon, which is like a, a spiritual being um, that, that is connected to us at birth that is there. Uh, and that, that daemon's you know, sole purpose is to sort of live out its, um, it's human experience via us, you know, and, and whatever that human experience, you know, may be, right. It could be, um, being, I think in the book, he brings up his, uh, his friend who was, who was at like five years old. He was supposed to be a, a promising doctor, um, via his family, his whole families were doctors, but he at five years old knew he wanted to be a gymnast, an Olympic gymnast, um, for Greece. And he, um, he ended up doing both because he had to please his parents to be a doctor, but he ended up becoming an Olympic and an Olympian. Um, I think a medalist and, and, uh, and he, he, Steven actually talks about that the kid went on, uh, and when his parents said, you can't be a gymnast, he went on like a five day fast as like a child, as like a five-year-old, like that's how big of a fit he threw um, for not being able to sort of live out this dream. And, and Steven reckons that was the daemon, um, sort of like putting him through hell, like, no, you're, you're going to do this. And, you know, to, to sort of bring it back, um, to me, 
he, uh, you know, I, I, I think my Damon sort of wants me writing, right. Um, wants me living out this, this journey of figuring out what, what intention is about. And, 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 you know, Stephen talks about resistance as well. So, so I think there's sort of one in the same resistance, Damon, and, um, and how it shows up is it can show up in pain. It can show up as like depression. It can show up as alcoholism. It can show up in, um, you know, in, in any number of ways. And, um, and yeah, for, I think, I think for me, that was just, that was, uh, I mean, I, I, I think, yeah, I think it showed up in all those ways, um, for, for me prior to, to, to writing the book. I definitely, you know, I definitely drank way too much. Um, I think as a, uh, really over the last like 10 years. And that, that was the first thing that, that I stopped, um, when I started practicing the buckets, I, I didn't drink for six, seven months. I've since had, you know, a few, few glasses of wine, um, here and there at, uh, at weddings and such, but um, that was one of the big things that was holding me back, I think, and, and keeping me from sort of living the life I wanted. And um, yeah, yeah. So, so Damon, it's it's not my thing. It's something that I keep. Uh, again, I definitely want to explore, and um, I've learned a little bit about from Pressfield. Um, if you want to talk about it more, that it gets really crazy in the Souls Code, but I don't know. I don't know if we have enough time in this pod. It's a pretty <laughs> that one out there. We'll, we'll save that for let me read it, then we'll take that one on next Dude, time. It's, it's crazy. It's it's cool. It's cool, but it's it's crazy. What um in what book was uh, Pressfield talking about the uh, the Damon part? Is that War of Art or Turning Pro or in War of Art? In War, War of, of Art, Art. He talks about um, it. he also talks about it in. Uh, in the artist's journey, hmm. which is more, it's like his latest rendition of of the War of Art. Yeah, he gets a little bit more. I really like this, the artist's journey. I mean, I love all his books because they're they're just short, quick punches to the face. Yeah, um, I was to say, and powerful. Like they're short. That's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get hit with it with no fluff, man. It's coming. <laughs> Yeah, um, but the artist journey, um, I really fell in love with because it it really specs it, it really packs a spiritual punch. So you know he he kind of mentions the Damon like you, you could miss the Damon discussion in the War of Art, but he puts it more on a pedestal in uh, in the artist journey. Um, and and I think I think that's just one piece of of sort of the more spiritual impact of, of our creative pursuits that he talks about in the artist journey. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. How the press, I mean, what's, what's the impact of the press field and holiday books for you? What, well, but what I think I love both about both of those guys is they seem to have a blue collar attitude towards writing and towards creativity. And for obvious reasons, like I, I latch onto that idea, um, you know, wrestling, very blue collar sport, um, you know, carpentry, like, the sort of a quintessential blue collar example. And, um, I just love that they both write about that as sort of a, you know, this consistency, this sort of lunch pail attitude towards life. Um, I, I just love it. And I think it's simple. I think it's straightforward. And, uh, I, uh, I love how they bring that out in their writing. Um, now was Ryan? Yeah. Do I do I remember correctly? And you'll know better than me, I'm sure. 
was Ryan originally blue collar or was he high end and came down to earth? It was, I seem to recall like his story and I could be very wrong at this, but he was living a high life. I want to even say like Beverly Hills ish, like at least working there and not, not, it was not a fall from gate grace or anything like that. I'm trying to say like, but he was like, what the kind of like hit a, similarly kind of go, what am I doing here or, or something and broke out of that. Is that, am I right on that? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, uh, uh, you know, but Ryan's one of the first people that I'd want to really research for um, that living with intention project. That's more like a traditional nonfiction work um, yeah. that's broken up into the three parts that I discussed. I definitely want to really like nerd out on his story, but from a high level perspective, you, you definitely, um, I think got it right. He, from what I remember, he was a leading executive at American Apparel, um, deep yeah. into the digital marketing sphere and capitalizing on, um, you know, the, the acquisition of our attention on the screens. Yeah. And I believe his first book that I haven't read, um, but I think was a pretty big hit, um, was sort of a, an undercover look at that world um, and, mm. and sort of may, maybe a dark take on the digital advertising industry. Um, I could be butchering all that, but fairly certain on most of it, about 90% of it. And now you look at him, he lives on, he lives on a farm uh, in, in East Texas, or, or at least East of Austin, and, you know, cares for goats and, you know, chickens and stuff like that. And, um, and, and literally, you know, writes every day and um, tries to implore a very stoic um, life. You know, he's definitely known for his affinity and knowledge of the stoic philosophers. And, um, and yeah, so yeah, to, to your point, yeah, I think he definitely, and, and at a pretty young age, you know, shifted from a very successful career in, in digital advertising, digital marketing, um, to, all right, he's, he's a guy who's going to sit down and write about virtues like courage and wisdom and, um, you know, the ego and <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Quite a now, I appreciate, I appreciate his stuff, man. I really do. Um, it, I appreciate the stoicism mindset. Like, I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I think I'm finding myself aligning with it with age, you know, and maybe my own life wisdom a bit. So I, I appreciate his work. Funny thing. I was reading ego as an enemy and I had read, I forget what his books were prior. His other book was, I read prior to that, but I was reading ego as an enemy and the funny thing was, I was reading through it and I was like disagreeing with him. Like, nah, bah, bah. I, I don't remember. Like, I wasn't enjoying the book for whatever reason, the first couple chapters. And I go, man, that's my ego. Like, literally, I, it was like, I, it was my ego, like being challenged through this, through his book, like the way it was written. It was weird. And then like from the rest of it, I, I like loved it. But I realized like, whatever reason, at first I like didn't like it. And then I, it just hit me. I was like, dude, that's your ego. doesn't like this book. You, you know, like it's literally your ego is being challenged through this text. And uh, it, it was like, it was a little, little enlightenment, enlightenment part of it. That, it, that book did its job. <laughs> you know, uh, it was, it was interesting, but yeah, he's, he's got some good stuff. I love, uh, I love courage is calling. Got another chapter two left to wrap that up, but it, it's, it's another, another great book as well. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's another, um, sort of paradox uh really about that that i that 
that I at least subscribe to, but but it's it's easier said than done. Um, which is, you know, w- with all of his books, with all of Stephen's books, with with my book and what I what I want to write about and what I want to continue to do is this is this sort of self reflection and this self discovery and and doing this work of like being really honest, asking myself questions like, what are you avoiding? you know, how is your ego showing up? What can you do better? And, you know, at the same time, that's brutal, dude. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not fun to like read about like, oh man, and and constantly just be mm, aware of, of our many flaws and, and be able to hold that up with, um, all the, um, so, so sort of the beauty of, of the human experience and sort of the pride that, that goes into some of the stuff. And, and, and those things are, again, it's a paradox. They're in, they're in conflict from time to time, you know, even, you know, even this book, um, the five buckets, like as much as I'm proud of it and I'm excited that I got it done, I'm so grateful. There's also pieces in me that's like, I could have done better, could have made it better, left some stuff out on the table and, you know, that's what's going to, I think, return me back to the, that returns me back to my newsletter, returns me to the podcast, and it's going to return me to hopefully another book. Yeah, man, your work's not done. I can, I can promise you. No, it was great, man. And I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I guess as we wrap up, um, how can people find the book, find you? Yeah, so go to studentofintention.com. Uh, my book's right there on the front page. Um, would love for you to buy it and leave a review. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on all, all kinds of retailers, but on, on the site, studentofintention.com, easiest place to find it. Um, if you're not ready yet, that's cool too. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter there. It's free. It's a weekly short story um, about self-discovery just to sort of prompt it, usually a two to three minute word, uh, read. So um, we'd love to have you subscribe there um, or, or the podcast as well. And then socially, I'm on LinkedIn, mostly uh, Bobby Dysart. Awesome. Awesome. Bobby Dysart. Hey, man, again, I appreciate it. Like uh, your, your work was very genuine, a uh, great display of creative expression, man. I think it was, it's, it's awesome. Honor to meet, meet you and have you on and talk about it. And, um, and it, and it will, those, I, I highly recommend it. I, I, that day I went out and said, man, go get this book. Like, it's just simple to the point, like, you know, the authors you mentioned. So great job, man. I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and it's going to serve people. I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah.